Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Glad you're with us, both myself and my co-host here. We're both financial advisors. Uh, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself and um, become your financial advisors on the air as we have our weekend podcast and yes. radio show. We try to help. Yeah. Financial stuff. Financial stuff. And pay attention to what's going on in the markets and um, all those sort of things. And it's been an interesting year with the markets anyway. The Like, pretty much all the gains in the S&P 500 are coming from a handful of technology companies. Just the few. And you, I think seven or eight. You take those, and you, you can think of the names. You take those out and it's it's flat or down. And they used to call them the the fangs, but they give they've given them a new acronym because some of the companies have actually changed their names. So Facebook went to Meta, and uh, Google went to Alphabet. Yeah, so which now, is so strange. It's I guess it's to tell people that well, we changed our name from Hanson McLean to Allworth because we thought the word Allworth better reflected what we did, which was dealing with. All of people's work tax, but planning. from going to Google to Alphabet, they did that a number of years ago. I didn't. I didn't. Anyway, that's anyway, irrelevant. Different story. To it. But well, the but the challenge. But these sort of it, the markets do these things. It's not uncommon to, for the market being led by a, a handful of companies, or you see a downdraft that's caused by a handful of companies, or a certain segment. The mid cap stocks are doing poorly for a period of time, or the small cap stocks are doing outperforming, and. The challenge from an individual investor standpoint, and the reason why most investors underperform the indexes over the long term, then there's study after study that show that. Right? You, the average investor uh, underperforms by quite a large margin, percentage points, not like two, three, four percentage points. Um, which, so is, you, which is a large margin. Doesn't sound like a large margin, but when you underperform by two, three, or four, that could be you're underperforming the market by 20, 30, 40%. Yes, <laughs> it could be substantial. And so instead of your money doubling every seven to 10 years, it doubles every 15 to 20 years or whatever, right? Um, it, but the challenge is when investors tend to look at shorter term performance, like if they're going to say, I've got some money to invest somewhere. Like, where's the best place? And you do some, like, what ETFs are performing the best? What, not, and I'm, look, I'm not a short-term person, so I'm going to look the last five years. What's performed the best the last five years? Well, odds are it's going to be that which has just performed the best, that had the best one-year track record as well, right? That's right. The hot, where the, that, those things that have just gone up in price. What was in vogue because of, Overall market sentiment, investor sentiment, political sentiment, right? Momentum. Momentum. There's always an excuse. Yes. <laughs> right? You flip on the TV at the end of the day and you hear about why the markets went up or the markets went down. They stick the microphone and a camera on a variety of people and they give some answers. It's just an excuse. Well, as I have reminded clients, not hundreds of times, but thousands of times, and they say, well, this is doing well. This, this investment's doing well. And I like to remind them the mere fact that we can measure it 
tells us it did well. Because <laughs> you can't measure <laughs> you can't the measure, future. You can't measure the future. So when they say it's doing well, like every – the mere fact that we actually know performance means that it did well. And just because, in fact, it did well doesn't mean it will continue to do well in future. In fact, there are many that would argue exactly the opposite, that both from an emotional, psychological, and statistical, that the worse a investment – I'm not talking about individual companies, but I'm talking about broad setting, categories, broad categories. The worst one does like a small cap value, mid cap growth, the greater the probability that it will do well in the future. Things have a tendency to revert back to their mean. If you remember your statistics class. Yes. They go back to the average statistics class or if you slept through your statistics. Well, class. I love the statistics. Class. I had one a statistics class. Um, and our, you know, sometimes in, in college you'd have like the uh, grad students teaching the class. Yes. And that's who I had. And she was a really sweet uh, woman, but but she did not understand statistics. Oh, really? Yeah, so I went the first two weeks, and then I'm like, this is a waste of my time. So I didn't show up for like three weeks until there was a, a, an exam, and I came in for the exam, and the, I remember the woman said, oh, Scott, I'm, so, I'm glad you're okay. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I, I hadn't seen you, and I thought something, maybe something happened to you. And I look at it kind of weird, and anyway. You, what happened is you didn't want to waste self- your time. I had to self-taught, self-taught yeah. stats, which but, probably means I'm not very proficient at it. But I do remember mead, median, and mode. Never quite understand. But, Scott, quite and frankly, to the mean. I liked statistics because it was okay at that point in time just figuring the average was okay. Before, <laughs> before then, I thought being average <laughs> was a negative thing. And then you realize, yeah, now, if I'm just average, I'm all right. It's okay to be average because there's a lot of people below average. Well, I've got a, um, I have a 15 year old and we're talking about college because uh, it's, um, she's going to enter her junior year and start, and I had the discussion with her like, well, maybe you can get, and she, and she has foster care in the background. So we adopted her from the foster system. So um, like well, we had a conversation, like that's kind of a golden ticket for you. Just less than three percent of kids ever, of kids who had foster in the background ever graduate college. So a lot of universities would love to have some. But I said, you need to be careful that you don't go to a school that too hard. I remember taking our son through a tour of MIT, and he's a smart kid. But I'm like, this is gonna be work. <laughs> well, not like that. I mean, odds are you're gonna be below average, and you you could be that. There's someone who's bottom of the class or the bottom ten percent decile, right? Yeah, like, that someone lives there, right? That might be you. <laughs> what are you going to become a demotivational coach to your children you're he just trying to be realistic i i don't think i could survive mit oh of course not i don't have the patience the temperament of course not of course not <laughs> even, of course not thanks <laughs> all right we i should. mean even our industry like we have we have uh, at Allworth, we have a lot of uh, cfas that work for us uh, charter financial analysts it's really rigorous study um I'm a certified financial planner, but it's a different kind of analysis. It's super in-depth. It's a lot of people fail. There's three major exams. Like I, I could, you'd have to put a gun to my head to do that. I just, like, I don't have the temperament to, 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 to anyway, we're getting off base on. One of my sons has, uh, passed the first class in the CFA. He's the one that went to UCLA. Yeah. He, sometimes he wants to talk to me about it. I'm like, okay, buddy. (laughs) 
<laughs> like what? How's that work? All right, let's do. Uh, let's give out the number and uh, do some calls. What do you say, yeah. Scott? Eight three three ninety nine worth. If you want to be part of the program, um, uh, and if you or if you want to schedule a time to talk with us, you can just send us an email. Questions at moneymatters.com. Love to take your call. Let's uh, head to Tennessee. We're talking with Adam. Adam, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, guys. Hi, Adam. Okay? Yeah, we're fine. How are you? I am good. I actually had a question about uh, standard deviation and correlation coefficient, <laughs> but after that, I think I'll move on to something else. That's all right. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm hoping you guys can help me with this. I need some creative thinking because I'm out of ideas. But I was um, <clears throat> was thinking about trying to do something for my son, um, and you guys may give me some parenting, uh, parenting or behavioral <laughs> advice here as okay. well as your show. So yeah. feel free. Um, but rather than have him inherit a pile of assets when I'm dead and gone and likely won't even need them anymore at that point. I was thinking about trying to do something to help him now and something uh something like buying him his his first home. Um so my question for you is looking for ideas on maybe the best way to do that without without triggering gift tax and ideally without even using up any of my lifetime estate tax exemption, although that may be an impo- impossible puzzle. Um, to solve. So are you married? If you had ideas. Yes, I am. And how many children do you have? We have two. My son is 21. He'll be graduating from college and getting married around this time. Wow. Uh, next year and daughter is 18 and just going off to school. And I would likely be doing the same thing again. For okay. Her. This is easy. And uh, approximate size of your uh, net worth. Like we um, sold everything, and put about, it in about, about 8 million, okay. a couple million in a, in a paid up home. And, um, Maybe two point five in retirement, three point five in brokerage accounts. A couple million in a home in Tennessee is probably a pretty nice home in Tennessee. I'm guessing. Nice home. Like in a couple million in Northern California county area might be. You know, like, it might have people shooting up in front of your lawn. Where, where, <laughs> where in Tennessee is it? We're in Williamson County in Franklin. There's a oh, lot of those California people you yeah. mentioned living uh, around us yeah. now. <laughs> I, I went to Franklin in the midst of the, so in two, in 2020. Lockdowns happened in March, and we had a dear family friend getting married in May in Tennessee. And um, the wedding kept getting smaller and smaller. And the young woman who's uh, my my wife was like an aunt to her. She reached out. She would really like you guys to come to the wedding. It's going to be small, social distance, which it was. It was. But I went. <laughs> so we come from California. Go to Franklin. There was like no pandemic. This was May of 2020. It was like Stores were wide open. There were no masks. <laughs> really? It was shocking. Well, so the, I think I've, is it the end of the Natchez Trace Trail? Yes, okay, it is. Yeah. Yep. Natchez Trace is in Williamson County, correct? Yeah. It feels I, like you're in Napa County or something. I, it's a it's nice It's beautiful. I actually, beautiful. I, I, I rode hey, the Natchez we're, we're, Trace we're um, on my bicycle. I will not do it again. It was a beautiful ride, but a little long for me. Um, so this is easy. When you, you mentioned earlier that you didn't want to use up any time, part of your exemption. Why? Um, it, only because I'm looking out to the future and assuming that uh, I may actually be one of those folks who could be affected by this when it reverts back to half yeah. of where it is today. So I, I am not uh, adamantly opposed. You would to rather not. Well, Correct. But, but what happened? Oh, that's grandfather, but you're not given the full amount, so it won't matter. Correct. 
Um, yeah, all right. There's a bunch of different ways. There's a bunch of million per person, 14 for a couple, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it is, it's about 14 million. Um, and it's a little less than that, but right mm-hmm. now you could give away for the rest of the listeners. If you are so inclined or have the means you could give away approximately $27 million. A little less you, than that, isn't it? 11 something. They whatever. just moved it up. Whatever. Okay. Um, it, but it's all going to revert back. It's supposed to revert 2025. back in 2025. And the other way is you can do seventeen thousand dollars each, both you and your spouse, and thirty-four, and you're like, well, well, he needs two hundred grand or three hundred grand. All you do there is you actually just write a note to the child and forgive thirty-four thousand dollars a year. Yes, got it. but it's got it. That's got its own pitfalls, Pat, because you still a family member. You have to. There's a computed interest. That's right. Whether they pay or not, and so there's a there's a gift of that. So it's it's not just as simple as going to. Uh, forgive thirty four thousand a year because there's some interest that was given. That, that's right. I mean, you have to put together. You, you Might have take to several years. You have to chase. Yeah, it's going to take multiple years, but it's going to achieve the objective. But the challenge with that, though, anything you, if you want to help your son above and beyond that, wedding, <laughs> whatever, like right, that is all taxable gift I, as well. I don't know why you'd be afraid of using up the unified credit, uh, the exemption amount. That is probably where I'll end up. I was just wanting to make sure I wasn't overlooking something more obvious. And, that, and the, the one idea I had is right is, is where you guys just went, which is – and actually, once he's married, it's not 34 anymore. It's 68, well, right? Well, that's a different so story altogether. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about that, uh, about separate property. And that's Uh-oh. a – yes. That's, that, that is a – you know, this is really interesting, Adam. I, I – I'm having this same conversation with one of my children right now. I have four and uh, with my wife, like, look, they're going to inherit this at some point in time. Do I care? I mean, I've been fortunate. I, you know, I, I didn't grow up this way, but I'm here now, uh, thankfully. And so it's like, how do we do this? I, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm using up part of my exemption. I'm just like Mm -hmm. flat out. Because it's easiest. It's and now your simple. son's not. So it's so Adam and his wife are already thinking you probably love the young woman your son's going to marry. It's going to be like another daughter, right? Um, and so the it, it, the cha- so there's things. So you're asking the economic question. You actually did invite us to opine on these other issues. But I mean, <laughs> I, did. I mean, the, no, 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 because we've seen it all working with clients yeah. for 30 years. We've well, seen we it think all. we've seen it all. We'll see something new. Uh, in the future, because you could look at it and say, "No, we want to keep this separate property." But then, what kind of an, what what kind of animosity might that create with the with your son's bride, right? And now, like, what I'm not really accepting of the family, or we're not really partners here, or or this really isn't my home, and we didn't buy this together, um, right? But so- I, I mean, I think I have a, I have a dear friend of mine that uh, his son married uh, this woman. She seemed lovely he would call her his daughter in love really affectionate about her and that she had some serious mental uh, issues and they'd had a couple kids together and she like went nuts oh that's a shame yeah i mean and like serious issues and he didn't he no longer called her the daughter in love but um uh, it was just one of those things where you yeah it's it, it it's, how much it, money are we talking about Oh, probably a starter home condo, something around here, three fifty, four hundred, maybe. So, so and, and your, is your son gainfully employed? 
Uh, he 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 will be. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm still baffled that a starter in Tennessee, a starter condos three fifty to four. Tennessee is one of the hot states the last decade. That's for sure. So there is a combination of things you could do, and and I would suggest um, a combination. I would not um, discourage the uh, your son from taking a loan out on the home. I would not yep. pay for it outright. I would make it a large yeah, enough down payment uh, so that he is comfortable in his monthly payment. Um, he is comfortable in his monthly payment. That's what I would do. Um, and that way that he's got skin in the game. Mom and dad didn't just give this to me, my spouse. And maybe a sizable down payment. Yeah. Like a couple hundred thousand right. dollars or a hundred thousand, or maybe buy, maybe you push him to get a little bit, you know, more than a starter home. So he's not actually making the move again. And you say, listen, son, here's $150,000. Why don't you go out and buy a $500,000 home if you can afford the payments, but I wouldn't gift a hundred percent of the whole thing. And I'd probably use either. up, I'd use up my exemption. Got it. And, and by and the I way, plan, I have been and would be continuing to plan on doing some form of annual giving yeah, yeah. to that, him beyond this anyway, to help out, help bridge any gaps. As he's I think that's a great way to look at things, Adam, because um, we've like, oftentimes you see people that my guess is you're not, my guess is you've got a good career uh, you're not spending your savings. It's just going to continue to accumulate. You've got enough set yeah. aside for retirement. Should something happen? Like, so you can either continue to save all this to your dying day. And then when your kids are, when, when old and have already gone through all the struggles of being young, um, then they inherit some money or you can help them out along the way. And I look at my, look my, it's, it's a different era. This for kids growing up. It's not that easy. And it's I've, a terrible time to graduate from college. It's an awful time. You went through, you went through two years of COVID lockdowns during your college uh, career, right? If you're graduating right now, which is my youngest just did, I had this conversation with us this weekend. Look at, you went through two years of COVID lockdown where you were living in LA and you couldn't even go to the beach because uh, they were closed. And then, well, this isn't Tennessee. And then- <laughs> That's LA County. You can go to Orange County. <laughs> and then you graduate into one of the worst job markets uh, for uh, professionals. professionals. For professionals. Job so uh, the other thing I would look at, Adam, is is if it makes sense for you financially, carry the paper on the home if the yield is actually better. Uh, I wouldn't do that. Really? I w no, I'm just thinking like my daughter's 27. Her career's she's been self-employed. She had she graduated when she grad she got kicked out of her um, class during lockdown. She was a sports psychologist, uh, master's in sports psychology. Okay. Not a lot of sports like sports jobs available. <laughs> <None. to you. laughs> so she's she's navigating, create her own little business, and then it's just actually in the last six months, it's really taken off. She's doing well, and I was having this. I actually had this conversation with her just the other day. Like I'd like to help her at some point in time um, to buy a house, but I wouldn't want to carry the paper. I wouldn't want her having to send me the check. I would just assume. Oh, I I want that because the economics are better for me. Uh, for both of us. For the next 30 years? You'd rather oh, no, it won't be a 30-year note. All right, whatever. Okay, anyway. <laughs> any difference of opinion. All right, you're on the right track, Adam. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate the call. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Right, thanks. I, I don't know if we answered his question or our own questions there, Scott. Well, that's... These things don't... They're not... There's no easy answers to any of these. And we all have different families. You have different values and... Right. Perspective. You have different relationships with your children. Different you have different right. relationships with all your children. And there's some people that I remember my mother in law, 
uh, Christmas time. And if she if she spent one hundred and forty two dollars on one of her kids, she had to spend one hundred and forty two on the next. I mean, like to the penny. Like she wanted to make sure she never showed favorites. Um, and other people, like I, like I don't th- I don't even view it that way. Every kid's different. M- Money is just one thing. And yes, there's a lot of different things there. And I don't know. Let's uh, continue here. Let's go to Washington, D.C. We're talking with Ken. Ken, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi there. Hey, Ken. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering what what the best way to um, deal with uh, excess proceeds from the sale of my home, um, especially given that the uh, home I'm moving to, I'm actually assuming a VA loan. At two and a quarter percent. Oh, like that, that is. Um, I know. And 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 were you? Uh, were you still have those loans? Y- y- you can assume a VA loan. Were you uh, a? Uh, uh, are you eligible? I'm not a veteran. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not active military. However, um, this is a fa- family sale, and for one for one factor or another, my my family member won't be uh, looking to use their entitlement. Thank so you. It's. Yeah, it's very much a um, asset for me, right? Thank Um, you. Thank you. Wow. And for the rest of the listeners, what happens is right now, um, it is a big thing in the resale market that if you have a low interest assumable loan, and in fact, there are websites that are dedicated to houses that are for sale that are low interest. And if it was a, many of the government backed loans, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Max, uh, the veterans, um, this is for the rest of the listeners, many of these loans are assumable. And so it's, it, it, each one of them has its own pitfalls. And as what Ken just said, it's okay if the one he's, because the person that he's assuming it from, if they give up this loan and make it assumable, they are no longer eligible for a veterans administration loan if they've given one up. Is that correct, Ken? That's correct. All right. And so you found this one. And so what, what we're seeing in the in the resale market on, on homes is that these homes that actually have these assumable price. are getting much higher prices. <laughs> run the numbers. Because the numbers uh, make sense. So anyway, what's your question for us? So just generally, like, this is a big chunk. I, I don't plan on putting any more into the loan, right, than I need to. Yeah, that's um, right. Not in this market. Proceeds. Exactly. Um and so I'm like, okay, what, what's the best way to handle this um, sum of money? Um, I already have. How, old, already how old are you? Max out. I'm 30. I'm going to be 32 uh, soon. Um, and what's. I max out all my. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. You max out your 401k and all that other stuff? 401k, backdoor Roth, mega backdoor Roth, <laughs> 403b, 457. Of course you do. <laughs> Of course, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to go through the list. And, yeah, yeah. And, and do you have children? You have children? You know, I just I just had um, a, a first child, and oh, I have a bit of a 529. Um, so there I haven't go. got too much. How large, how large a mortgage are you going to have? Uh, it's about 600000 Okay. And, and you've got 500000 is from the proceeds of the sale of your home. Yes, roughly. And your career, your career are you... I mean, pretty confident that things are just going to continue on, or if not better, for the next 10, 20 years? I think so, yes. And are you able to make the payments pretty easily on this $600,000 loan? Yes. Okay. Now, this is interesting because this is going to revolve around your risk tolerance. He's 32. This is going to revolve around your risk tolerance and how patient of an investor are you. 
So give us some background. Markets go up, markets go down. Your feeling about that? I'm generally just um, uh, all in. You know, I my equity my, my portfolio is basically a hundred percent, like you know S and P, and then like, maybe like eighty percent S and P, twenty percent small caps. Okay, just keeping it simple. Um, what do you think you should do? I mean, my thought is, it, it my my thought is just to continue that right, like into my after tax brokerage account. At some portion of it, a small percentage of that will yep. go into five twenty nine. You know, get the tax benefits. The one thing that I haven't ever done is kind of invest such a large sum at once. Okay, so here's yeah. a couple of things. Yes, so the five twenty nine, uh, and you've got an HSA available to you. Yes, and okay. I max that out. When you're you maxing have, out, the what do you HSA? have as far as cash or brokerage account now? Um, Assuming this about, is done, what will you have in cash and brokerage account? Oh. Uh, if it goes into a brokerage account, then about right now I'm about like eight fifty in the brokerage account, and uh, then so plus the proceeds of. Um, you already have. Wait, 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 You, you already have eight hundred fifty thousand dollars saved in a brokerage account, not counting yes. the proceeds from your house. Not counting the. Proceeds. Was any of this money gifted or inherited? Um, I think over the years. Uh, uh, about like fifty grand or so. Okay, and uh, family income approximately. Um, it can fluctuate by like three fifty okay. to four hundred. Uh, you're you are a hundred percent right on. Um, I, I I agree with you. Um, you know, and if you wanted to, you know, bring it back a little, you could you could, you know, dollar cost average in over the next year, year and a half, two years um, out of treasuries, or you could go in 60-40 and let it go. So, look, here's how I view things. You're 32, right? Markets are going to go through their cycles, the ups and downs. If over the next 30 years, the equity markets don't increase, we've got all kinds of other financial problems. The one, There's some risks that are, are going to exist regardless. Like, our country's been around 250 years. Our capitalist society's been there. If there was some massive change, the dollar's no longer has of much value. Those things are going to be really hard for you to to um, to <laughs> diversify away from those some of things, right? If you can think about history in exactly. other countries and that sort of thing. So if we set those things aside, like, I mean, if I were in your situation at 32, I would I would invest all of that in equities. Well, that's yes. And I would use everything that you and just said. And I would said. probably use a direct index approach to this as opposed to an ETF. That's right. Okay. Synthetic index. They're, they're, the technology has made it such, and it's essentially they, they, they let's assume it's an S&P 500, but I'd probably go broader than that. But a, a direct index is technology is such that it'll, it'll build a portfolio with probably two or 300 different individual securities and because there's no trading costs on a lot of platforms today, the friction that existed a couple of years ago doesn't exist today. That's what makes these so interesting now. And the, the advantage with that is you can do some tax loss harvesting using individual securities throughout the year. And then you've got opportunities if whether you want maybe transfer some funds to your kids at college time or buying a house or to charity, you can cherry pick your your the top performance and you mimic and you can mimic and that you, underlying you get super close to the returns like, of the you SP. get like a 90 percent match 90, on higher than that but yeah yeah on that well the further you get away from it the harder it is that to is ma- maintain that um so i i like the way and if you're worried about markets 
and you say, well, you know, as you said, I've never invested that much at one point in time. Just cut it up into three different tranches and put it in uh, some now, a third now, a third in six months, and a third in 12 months, or a third in nine or months, or whatever it is. But put it on Got a it. program that's preset, and you're not going to actually change regardless of what the market conditions are. Unless you say if the market falls 20%, I'm going to go all in. Or something I want to go and get that next tranche. That's right. That's right. And but I like I like and, your thinking. I uh, and that's all. That's all. That too, that is only designed to reduce risk, because uh, markets go up more than they go down historically. So yeah, that's a risk mitigation tool. But it's risk is perceptions reality too, right? So uh, one follow up to, to your direct indexing. I've been doing all this kind of self directed, um, and I I imagine. I'm curious. I don't know too much about it. Are there other low cost ways of accessing direct indexing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. 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 I mean, okay. it's relatively new in our industry. Many firms have not adopted it. Um, even at the big, scale. the big, the big uh, online brokerage firms have it. But it works perfect for new money. Correct. It works perfect for new for new money. You, yeah, because you not you don't want to sell out a bunch of ETFs or mutual funds and pay capital gains to move to a. Uh, a direct index strategy. Yeah. It, it, but if it was, and it needs to be sizable enough to. There's typically some minimum fees. In this yes, but that it fits more expensive perfectly. than ETFs. But oh, you would do it. Like you do it in a minute with new money. You would not even think about it. Um, it and yeah. it doesn't uh, matter inside of an IRA. It's it, it's outside of an IRA in a brokerage account where it, it really plays a role. So nope. particularly the younger you are. Yeah. Perfect, Ken. And okay. I mean, you're. Uh, you obviously you're a good saver. Um, yeah. I, and I yeah. trust you have a bunch of term life insurance on yourself. I do. I do. Yes. And I, do, is it, do you have disability I, insurance? My new daughter. Yeah. Disability All insurance that. through your employer? Um, yes. Through my employer. Yeah. Okay. I'd make sure you got plenty of disability. Yeah. Insurance. Buy as so much cool. as they'll sell you. Yeah. yeah. All righty. Perfect. Helpful. All, All right. right then. All right. Keep yeah. up the great work. Yeah. Boy, we've got, uh, Holy smokes. First two callers. Like, <laughs> like, like, totally responsible. Like, no, like, like, if this continues like this, we're going to have to stop this show. But we know when to help. I guess we did help them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I got, I know when to help. <laughs> they did call and ask us. Well, I mean, this is a, uh, I mean, by selection, the ten, the, some of the callers. Yeah. If you're listening to our podcast, there's probably a, a chance that you have actually you saved a couple of dollars. Well, you clearly care about finances. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to the program. Yeah, and there are certain people out there. There's actually people that are good savers that the whole concept of dealing with money is, is not comfortable to. They don't enjoy it at all. They've saved money because they know it's important, but they don't like dealing with it. You know those clients. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, am I one? Um, someday. not you. <laughs> 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 that probably. Oh my gosh, you're far from that. <laughs> well, you know, I need a base for comparison. <laughs> well, I wouldn't compare the average person to a 30 year I... veteran financial advisor. Ah, okay, I'll <laughs> okay. go with that. <laughs> Who's still actively involved? I am. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I'm meeting with some clients this afternoon. Get right. forward to it. Oh well, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I got a phone call this last week from uh, someone I went to elementary middle school and high school with, and they are retiring and um, they're like, hey, can you help me out? And I thought, holy smokes, we're all old now. I went to, I went to sixth grade with you. Now they're all <laughs> retiring. 
Yep, life continues on. Yeah, Let's uh, keep t- making some calls here at Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, we're in Texas with Kevin. Kevin, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, yes, sir. I, I was. My wife and I, we were we were due to retire. Well, I'm, I'm retiring in August, and I'll be 59 and a half. Uh, I'm just wanting to know kind of what vehicles to put. Uh, I've got uh, about 560k in the 401k, and in one 401k, and I have another 401k with about 50,000 in. I was just wanting to know what would you recommend to be a better avenue to put that money in, so that I don't need it right away because I'm I do have a pension. Uh, but I just want to make sure that you know down the road when I do get ready to take it. Uh, what would be your when do you suggestion? Kevin, when do you think you might want some money or need some money from this 401k? Probably not for probably five years. And what would be different in five years? If you have, I mean, you've got a pension, you said. Is the pension, I do. Is the pension going to replace a good chunk of what your salary has been? Uh, it will. How much is a percentage? Uh, probably 60%. Is your home paid for? It, it is not. We have a very low mortgage, and we have a 2.75% yeah, yeah. interest rate, so we want to keep it that yeah. way. Yep. And is your spouse good? Does your spouse work? She does work, and it, that's kind of what I'm anticipating. In the next five years, she will be retired as well. Or she won't earn a retirement, but she also has 401ks that we can pull from. How much are in her 401ks? Um, about 100 And how is your 401k allocated today? It, it's very aggressive. I've got a lot into the S&P 500, so that's definitely one thing I need to do is pull back from the aggressive side. Um, and maybe, we, maybe not. And when you say it, uh, like, as a percentage uh, of this approximately 610000 how much is in stocks or equities? In stock itself? Yeah, or equities, the S&P 500. Now, the S&P 500, probably, I'm looking at it, it's about... Three hundred, right at four hundred thousand. I don't think. And where's the rest? Yeah, uh, the mid cap. It's in it's in uh, target funds, like uh, twenty thirty target funds. Okay, okay, so there's equity in there as well. Yeah, there's not much yeah. equity not, in there. Target date funds were great when um, you're younger, small account balance. I'm not a big fan as you, you get older, just because y- y- one, you have no control of the allocation internally, and secondly. Uh, when you want to do a withdrawal, you can't go in and say, just give me this the bond or just sell me some small cap or you, you, you're stuck kind of selling across the board. But um, And it, you said it's in a 2030 fund. So that's pretty yeah, much all a- bond. So the, right, right. once you hit 59 and a half, there's really no advantage uh, a 401k has over an IRA. Matter of fact, you, you could, one could argue that you, you're going to have greater advantages in an IRA rollover because – with an IRA, your investment options are unlimited. You can choose your provider. You can set up things so you get a monthly check if you want a monthly check. Uh, when it comes time to require minimum distributions down the road, it's just a little, it's a little easier to deal with. Uh, the, the, the downside is um, uh, your cost could be more if you're not, uh, if you're not great at, at, at figuring out those sort of things, and you could be sold something poor some crappy product by an unscrupulous person or an unsophisticated person um, who doesn't know better. So you could make some greater investment mistakes on your own than you probably would within your 401k. If you're before 59 and a half, 
if you're 55 or older, when you leave your employer, you can take, you have access to those dollars before 59 and a half. There's nothing magical about 59 and a half any longer, but you're already going to be 59 and a half. As long so as you leave them in the 401k. Yes. You, once, Correct. You, once, once you, you move into the IRA. Yeah. Anyway. So I actually don't think you're, you're too aggressive at all. Um, and, and the reason is, look, you've got that pension coming in. It's going to replace 60% of your income. You're eligible for social security. And you think how much capital it would take to generate that. That's a lot of money. That is a, let, think of that as fixed income. That's exactly. And then you look at what your social security, which you're eligible for at age 62, whether you decide to take it or not, you may actually decide to put that off for a little bit and start a distribution from your IRA in order to put off social security. But there's lots of factors that go in there. So I'd roll it over into a, I'd roll it over into an IRA and I'd, and I'd and if build- you're, Kevin, if you, if you've historically had quite a bit in stocks, if the ups and downs don't bug you because you've got many years to go, right. I would make the argument if you're com- look, the, the allocations are really based upon two things. One is your time horizon. That is how long before you need the money. Now, if you said that you were going to, you needed a big chunk of this because you wanted to buy a new motorhome a year from now. Well, that's a very short term time horizon would say, let's make sure we're in something pretty liquid, something stable so that when it's time to buy the motorhome, the, you know, the cash is there. Right. But if we're talking about it's not for five years before we're going to start taking some income from it. Well, now we say, OK, well, we're going to need some money in five years, but the majority we're not going to need for six years, 10 years, like 15 a, years, 20 years, long time. So. That's the first thing, the time horizon. You've got time on your side here. The second is, and just as important, it's how much ups and downs you can personally stomach without it driving you nuts. It's always, no no one likes when values go down, right? None of us like it. (laughs) Um, But it's, if you can withstand those ups and downs, you get compensated handsomely over time, which is what's happened in your 401k over a long period of time. Um, So if you're, if you're, if you, I mean, if you can come intellectually to the point of saying, I know I don't need the money anytime soon, number one. Number two, I know over the long term, stocks go up much more than they go down, and I've got confidence in the future. Uh, then I, then we would recommend remain in a pretty aggressive allocation. Okay. So what do you, what, and I know this is a, like a taboo word, but what do you think about annuities? Are those, are those, you've got one. Good. No, you've got one. Well, that's, that's true. I do. You're right. In my, I wouldn't. In my pension plan. Yeah, you got one in your pension plan. That's an annuity. Annuity is the stream right. of payments. I wouldn't buy a commercial annuity here. Not I, your situation. Yeah, it's you, you know, and they sell these indexed annuities because they tell you don't you, need that. You'd be about the downside. There's a cost to that downside. That ras- that risk didn't just disappear when people talked about well, indexed annuities give you downside. You're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they certainly do, but there's a cost and their cost is that you're going to cap your returns and it's expensive regardless of how they return over the long term. Yes. So Assuming the markets, right. you have a normal no, future, but the, you have no, you have no business. You don't need an annuity. There's, it would be silly okay. for you. In fact, I would make the argument that your portfolio, how much will your um, pension be on a monthly basis? Uh, about $3,800. Okay. So can you live comfortably on just that pension? Well, his wife's working. Still. And with your wife working. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I would make the argument that you push your portfolio even a little bit more aggressive to 75% equities or 80% yeah. equities because of the size of that pension. If I did a net present value of that stream of payments of that $3,800 a month, 
based upon your life expectancy and normal life expectancy between you and your wife, it's in the millions of dollars. Someone set aside all that money for you to provide a stream of income until you and your wife's, I assume you're taking a joint survivor, until you and your wife's final day. How much money would I actually need to set aside in order to actually fund that $3,800 a month? And you're like, well, geez, Pat, I could do the calculation. My guess is it's $1.6 million. No, 3.8%? Uh, it's no, it's, it's a, a little, little higher than that. that. 4. It's about a million bucks. It's about a million dollars. Okay, so it's a million dollars. So if you looked at your portfolio and you said, I've got a million dollars in this bond, which is the annuity, and then I have $500,000 in equities, right? <laughs> now, now, now when you look at the overall portfolio, you're one-third equities and two-thirds bond. And so it's easy to say that and explain it, but psychologically what you have to do is decide that you're going to live through the ups and downs in the markets. And quite frankly, at $3,800 a month, and when your social security kicks in, you'll be fine. You should be 75 to 80% equities in that. That sounds good to me. Well, you're the one that did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's, it's like, it's like, it's always been, you save, save, save. But then when you get, to that point, you're like, how do I spend? You know, I mean, it's easy to spend, but how do you get your mind wrapped around? Now I'm not saving anymore. I'm just, you know, living the living with what we've what we've saved. I guess you have just described one of the um, hardest things that a new retiree goes through. Um, if you question new retirees, like what was the biggest difference in your mental state? One is, what did I do with my time in my day? How it, and some people really struggle with it. Yep. And then the other is I'm having a hard fact getting, uh, getting over the fact that I am no longer actually saving money for retirement. In fact, I might be spending some of it and it's a psychological barrier for many. Right. I mean, I remember working with a guy, he said, there's two things that have been really difficult. One Pat is you send me a check every month and I'm not sending someone else a check. And the other is, I have been to a grocery store more times in the last six months than I have in the last 30 years. That's funny. <laughs> and he said both yes, of sir. those are troubling. <laughs> both of them. Oh, absolutely. And, and, well, and, I, sure pre- I appreciate the, the, the insight on the annuity thing because that was one thing I've been hearing a lot about. If you had no pension, if you had no pension, mm-hmm. and frankly, if you had a lower risk tolerance than what it appears you've got, then um, – and maybe I think we haven't recommended them in years just because the they're I mean, 20 just, years ago, they were better products than they are today. My they, treasuries is that if your risk is that low just by treasuries anyway. Well, that's not a good long-term solution either. Um, there is, if, if, if given the choice between the two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd make an argument that an annuity might be, some annuity might be better than the treasury long-term. Okay. But, if you're going to be long-term, then no, you don't need the annuity. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, perfect. Thank you for the call. Yeah, glad you called, Kevin. Appreciate it. I appreciate your help. Thank uh, you. Yeah. It's, uh... Anyway, hey, um, want to let you guys know, we've got a virtual investment workshop. Since the workshop is called The Investment Question, and we'll be answering the four top four investing questions that people like you are thinking about right now. Um, this is it's a virtual thing, so you don't have to worry about going in person. But you're going to learn how to generate income in retirement, 
how to make the most of cash on hand, some of the key facts about the Secure Act 2.0 that had some changes to retirement stuff uh, and Roth conversions, uh, and also some strategies about uh, asset allocation and diversification, that sort of thing. So it's uh, June 20th and 21st at noon and June 24th at 10 a.m. In June 20th and 21st at noon. Sorry, these are Pacific times. And June 24th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. You can sign up at allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshops. Again, allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshops. And it's been great being with you. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.